Proverbs chapter 26 is where we are. Verses 1 through 12 is where we're going to be. And if you remember this particular section of the book of Proverbs, which started in, ver- in chapter 25 and goes all the way to chapter 29, it's kind of a new section, but it's, it's a special section in the sense that Solomon never intended for these particular Proverbs for our eyes to see them. They were not published. Um, in, cha- in fact, in chapter 25, verse 1, we see that it was Hezekiah's men that found these Proverbs and they published them for us. They thought they were great. Hey, these should be added to the, to the list. And so now we get them. Ultimately, as I've been sharing with you, um, the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. We know that. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit moved upon the holy men of old and they wrote and that all scripture is inspired by God. It's God breathed. So that God intended for us to have this as part of the book of Proverbs that Solomon was given as well as the canon of scripture. So what we're looking at is for us, which is good. Um, Now, we're going to try to cover verses 1 through 12. I'm going to read it, then I'll pray, and then we'll dive in. So if you're in chapter 26, verse 1, please say a hearty amen. Amen! All right. We are there. So it says, as snow in summer and rain in harvest... So honor is not fitting for a fool. Like a fleeting sparrow, like a flying swallow, so a curse without cause shall not alight. A whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the back of, for the fool's back, excuse me. Verse 4. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. But verse 5 says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Verse 6, he who sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. Like the legs of the lame that hang limp is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like one who binds a stone in a sling is he who gives honor to a fool. Like a thorn that goes into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. The great God who formed everything gives the fool his hire and the transgressor his wages. As a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than that man or for than for him, it says. And so, Lord, we do thank you, Father, for the word that you put in, in front of us, Lord God, this text. I pray that you would open, open it to us, Lord, that you would clear our hearts and our minds of anything that would hinder any of the cares of this life, distractions in the room, Lord God, that you would uh, give us a free moment, even pushing back the, the, the enemy and his uh, principalities and powers and high places that seek to disrupt or steal And that you would, Lord, surround us with your protecting angels, Lord God, that we would be free to be able to hear your word, to receive what you have for us, Lord God, that we would be changed by it and that we would go out the wiser. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I think we have some bottles of water in the back for anyone that's having trouble with uh, with coughing. We'd be glad to give you one if you like to help out. Um, It's that time of year. And so as we look into these Proverbs... These 12 verses that I just read, what you probably notice is that the fool is mentioned 11 times 
and folly three times. So in other words, almost in every verse that we're reading, Solomon is dealing with the fool. And as I've shared with you in times past, Solomon has issues with the fool and the sluggard and the lazy man and all of that kind of stuff. And he keeps pointing it out. Um, and of course, the Bible is, is designed for us to learn and grow from it. So today there are things that we need to take from this in our own lives and apply it. Um, do not get offended or upset with me. Solomon wrote, talk to him when he gets to heaven. I'm not calling anybody a fool. We're just working through the text. Okay, everybody good? All right, but we need to take it and learn how to view life through the text and, and view the circumstances that we, we come in contact with through the text as opposed to viewing the text through our life and getting it twisted and going off in the, in the wrong direction. The Bible's always right. I'm often wrong. I like to think of it that way. The Bible is always right, but I'm often wrong, so I need to yield to what this says. Um, so first, I want to define, again, what a fool is. Um, we've looked at it before. Um, the dictionary would tell you that a fool is a person lacking in judgment or prudence, a person lacking in common powers of understanding and reason. In other words, a fool lacks common sense, you know, to some degree is, is, is what is he yielding to here. An example of that is what I just uh, is, is uh, Proverbs chapter one, verse seven, which we've seen a long time ago, not on the screen. But it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. In other words, a fool doesn't even want to hear wisdom, doesn't even want to receive instruction because a fool, he doesn't have the capacity, if you will, to process those things and apply them in, in his or her life. The fool has a bit of complacency in his life or her life and laziness as well, a lot of different dynamics. So they don't want to receive wisdom. They don't want to receive instruction. In fact, the, one of the verses I just read, verse 11, says, a, as a dog returns to his own vomit. Y'all remember that? So a fool repeats his folly. Um, and the interesting thing about that is it kind of alludes to the definition that we all have heard of insanity, which is doing the same thing over and over and actually expecting different results. How many of you have heard that before? So goes the fool. You see, the fool... The fool always ends up with the same results because he doesn't apply wisdom. The fool is like a person, and maybe you've had these conversations before, a person who loses five jobs in a row and still blaming the employer. Or the fool who uh, has been in countless relationships that have ended horribly still blaming the people that they were in relationships with. And unfortunately, sometimes the fool hops from church to church, always has the same story about the people at the last church. And the one thing I would say that all of those employers have in common, all of those relationship people on the other side of that have in common, and every church who the fool has been to has in common is that they were all dealing with the fool. So the fool is the common denominator, <laughs> but the fool can't see it. And that's sometimes the problem. You know, we need to, we need to understand that, um, you know, especially when it comes to church. I've only been to four churches in my whole life, the church I grew up in, um, then the church that I got married in. And then when my job moved me to Norfolk, Virginia, I found a church there. 
And then when I got married, I, um, God led us to Calvary Chapel, and then I've been in Calvary for 20-something years. So generally speaking, I go to churches based on geography. Where has God planted me? That's where I go to church, you know. <laughs> and then, I, I, you know, you work through the issues, you know, that, that happen, that arise. And the reason I say that is because the Bible teaches us as believers that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything becomes new. How many of you believe that? Okay, so if that's the case, then that means that I must be about the business of allowing myself to grow and learn according to the word of God and be changed based upon what the word is saying to me to learn to apply what God's word says to my life so that I'm growing and I'm changing. And, and then that would be the opposite of a fool. That would be someone who's actually walking in wisdom, which is what we're all called to do. Now, unfortunately, psychology often teaches you how to be a fool. No offense to anybody. The reason I say that is they give you all the excuses you need to not change. It's the way you were brought up. Someone didn't love you enough. You know, and all and so forth and so on. And, 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 and then that kind of gives you a, 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 the ability to relax and put the blame somewhere else. But the Bible says, no, the world is broken and full of sin. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. But God loved you while you were still sinner. He sent his son to die on the cross to pay for your sin and to transform your life. And now that you're saved, he's poured his spirit into you crying, Abba. So now you have a father in heaven who loves you. Amen. So it don't matter what your parents did or didn't do. Or if you were an orphan or went through the system and you were through, you know, you, you, you were from uh, foster home to foster home to foster home. That stuff, is, that stuff is damaging, absolutely. But Jesus loves. And he is a good father. And, 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 and the Lord wants to transform us. And that's the difference. And so as believers, when we approach a chapter like, verse 20, like chapter 26 in these verses, you know, we have to deal with it on the basis of, okay, I love the Lord. The Lord loves me. So I'm not a fool. So therefore, let me act accordingly and let me learn from what it's saying. For instance, verse one says, as snow and summer and rain and harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. So snow and uh, snow in the summer, obviously, that doesn't make sense. We don't often see that. Um, you know, if you have snow in the summer, something is obviously out of order. Something is, is wrong here in North Carolina. We desire to see snow, but often can't see snow because you know, the ground is never cold enough. So even if it is snowing, we might see some flakes, but it usually turns to rain and wets the ground. And so then whatever snow makes, it can't stick. And so North Carolinians are starving for snow. <laughs> can't get none, you know. But anyway, um, or rain and harvest. That's a good example. Rain and harvest um, in most agrarian cultures, the rain doesn't, it comes in the early part. They may have some light rain during the harvest, but generally they don't. In fact, rain during the harvest is devastating because it, it, it messes up the ground, which prevents you from being able to get in and get your harvest, or it, it, it slows the work down. And so you don't want rain when harvest time comes because that's when you want to be productive. And so he uses these examples to say, to say as snow in summer or rain in harvest, notice so honor is not fitting for a fool. Um, in other words, honor... You could say respect is not fitting for a fool, particularly as it relates to position or advancement or promotion or relationship or business or whatever the case. It's not fitting for a fool. And I think one of the things that we need to know and understand as believers, wisdom would tell us that the fool doesn't deserve 
or qualify for such a honor, nor would he or she, if they receive such honor, advancement, promotion, be able to actually handle it. Because if they've proven themselves to be a fool, someone who does not take the wisdom given to them of the Lord and process it and apply it in their lives, then you don't want to put that particular person in a place of honor or respect. If you do so, you're going to regret it. And so one of the things I think we could take from this as believers is that we should be very careful because I know tomorrow you all are going into all the places where God has put you in this world to occupy until he comes. And I think the wisdom that he would give you is to be careful, very careful that who you are giving honor and respect to, who you, those of you who are in places of authority, who are you lifting up? Who are you promoting? Who are you giving certain positions to? Who are you relying on? Um, have you thought that through, prayed through that to ensure that it is the right person? Um, because if not, um, you're going to regret doing that is what this is. It's kind of alluding to or one of the things I think that we can take from it from an application standpoint. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 21 through 23, uh, it says, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. Do not lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in any other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. Pastor Chuck used to quote this quite a bit. I think he actually put it in distinctness as it relates to church leadership. Never lift anyone up in leadership too quickly. I know some churches do that because if you do, you may actually regret it. And so then what do, what do we do from that standpoint? Well, you, you want to watch and pay attention and pray through things and be able to see a person in various situations apply the wisdom of God in their life. So you can gauge what kind of person this actually is and are they operating under the wisdom of God? Then you do that in every area of your life. Well, am I going to do a business deal with this person? You know, have I taken time to pray and observe this person? Because notice it says not without prejudice or partiality because some people end up in position because of partiality of some sort. You know, we learn in James not to show partiality because something about them calls you to move faster than you should have. Or maybe it's for a single person and you, you want to be in a relationship and the Bible is saying, hey, use wisdom to observe this person in various situations because the one thing you have as a single person is the freedom to not be tied up in drama. <laughs> Why introduce it when you don't have to? <laughs> and so in other words, I believe the Bible is saying be very, very careful believers when dealing with people. And I think we see that and hints of that all the way through here. Take your time, pray. One of the things is I think we neglect is the power of prayer, asking God to give us wisdom and discernment in things. Show us the character and the heart of a person ahead of time so that we can see it and then realize, whoa, thank you, Lord, for showing me that. I almost goofed and messed up because I didn't yield to you and pray first and seek your word. How many of you have made decisions about a person that you regret it? Man, y'all are very wise because only about 25% of y'all raise your hands. <laughs> she put two hands up. We know. Amen. The Bible is trying to help us. Okay, so verse 2, let's keep rolling. Verse 2 says, like a fleeting sparrow, like a flying swallow, so a curse without a call shall not alight. Now, this is the one verse where we're not going to see the fool uh, in here, but 
because of that, we can gain wisdom from it. Now, these particular birds, he's mentioning the sparrow, the swallow, um, they fly restlessly. Um, in fact, it's useless trying to catch them in a snare because, you know, they, they stay in flight and they don't have to land often because of their flight pattern um, and so forth. So they're very hard to catch, you know, to get anything to stick. So he's using this as an analogy. Um, and so likewise here he says a causeless, I will call it a causeless curse, which is spoken against an innocent person, Solomon is saying, it will not stick, it will not alight, it will not have any, any damaging or long-lasting um, uh, damage against that person. And I think the Bible is always trying to encourage the believer that we need to remember to walk in the character of God. Because the reality is what Solomon is not saying is there won't be a causeless curse spoken against you or I. They're going to come. They're going to be accusations. Um, curses, if you will, things spoken against you from time to time. But look, when you're the innocent person, I think the Bible would, would warn you, don't entertain it. Don't fall into trying to defend yourself, especially if you know you've been walking right before the Lord. Because what's happening is the enemy is often trying to bait you into a fight, trying to get you away from what you're called to do and get you caught up into something that you don't need to get caught up in. Like uh, those of you who know the book of Nehemiah, Sambalot and his, his buddy, out in the plains of Ono trying to get uh, Nehemiah to come out and meet with them when he, God had already given him a call to build the walls of Jerusalem. How, how many of you remember that? And he didn't go out. He didn't get baited. And we need to be mindful of these things as believers. Walk with the Lord upright before him. When you miss the mark, when you sin, because you will confess it before the Lord. Because once you confess it, and you know Christ has forgiven you, that's your testimony, then Satan has nothing against you anymore and you can't do anything. And, and, and see, these things are going to happen and oftentimes wisdom of the Lord would tell you, hey, be patient, the Lord will defend you. Don't try to defend yourself. You're going to make yourself look bad. I warn you that all the time, especially on the job, wherever you go in school, wherever it is that you go, be careful to, to think through those things. And as believers, don't be quick to respond. The fool we find is quick to respond. The fool doesn't think it through. The fool speaks from there just the seat of emotions and flies off the handle. We see that often in the book of Proverbs, but we can't be that way. We'll see that as we work our way down. Verse 3. Verse 3 says, a whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the fool's back. They're kind of all alike. It's interesting. Um, the whip is a tool that gets the horse to move. At different times in history, in different cultures, it would be something else. We grew up, well, I grew up watching Westerns. And so you watch Westerns, it's the spur on the boot of the cowboy. It gets the horse moving. Am I right? Y'all looking at me like I'm, I'm up here by myself. Y'all make me work hard. <laughs> it's so much easier when y'all smile. Goodness. Um, not. So, yeah, we grew up watching that. And that's the tool that the cowboy would use to get the horse moving. A, a, uh, the tool for the donkey says here, a bridle. Um, it's, a, it's used to drive or guide the donkey so that... The, the, the farmer can get him going in the direction he needs them to go. So that's just a tool. We says just like those simple farming tools are meant for those particular animals, well, the rod is the proper tool for the fool. A rod on his back is the only thing he's going to respond to, he or she, if they are a fool because they've already proven themselves not to listen to wise counsel. When counsel is given, they reject it, and they're willing to do the same thing over and over and over as if something different is going to happen 
which the Bible actually speaks of the word stupid is actually in the scripture. And it uses that to describe a fool. So literally, a stupid person, unless they get beat, they're not going to change. Now, in our, our culture, modern culture, we don't like to deal with the rod anymore. The rod is not a part of our culture. Um, but I would say then, the equivalent is that there are times when we must use harsh discipline, harsh disciplinary action to deal with someone who does not have the faculty to reason wisely when it comes to things. And so this is something, unfortunately, that we can't get away from. It's in the scripture. It's part of humanity. And how do we apply that? Well, unfortunately, our culture doesn't like when you have any kind of harsh discipline against anybody. And some of the younger generations are growing up now and they're being trained by the current culture um, that they should be given everything and that no matter what happens, they should be treated with a certain level of respect that has not yet been actually earned. And that becomes very difficult. What are we supposed to do with that? And if you're old school, you almost, it's time to retire and go get a fishing rod because you're going to your, lose your mind. <laughs> so, it, it, but the believer has to realize that, no, there are times when you are going to, in, in other words, when you're dealing with a fool, you're going to have to use harsh discipline of some sort. What does that mean? It may mean a demotion. It may mean to fire. It may mean to be very straightforward with the person about where they've missed it and what they need to do to get it right. And sometimes people don't like to hear that kind of stuff anymore. And we live in this, you know, what is it? The cancel culture environment where um, you can't say to anyone that they're wrong. But biblically, that's wrong. So, yeah, so for the fool, there has to be some type of hard disciplinary action or they're not going to get it. Um, and so then w w when, you, when you're dealing with a fool that you can't discipline, you, you need to break association with. And that way, that's where the pink slip comes in <laughs> or something. I'm just being real, you know, and go find someone who's not a fool to do the job. Um, but we need to understand that we don't need to get caught up. Let me just say this. We live in a different culture. It's called a Christ culture. It's a biblical culture. That's how we're supposed to live. It's in conflict with the current culture that we are surrounded by. Okay? Does that make sense? And no, but we are called to live that way. And by doing that, you actually may save someone. Or you, may, you may get through to them and maybe um, get them to a place where they can begin to learn and apply some wisdom to their lives. Um, but we're called to be the people of God who have wisdom. Now, Verse 4 and 5 kind of go together. Let's read them together here. It says, do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. And verse 6 says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Well, whoa, what on earth just happened? These verses seem to be an apparent contradiction, but the reality is there are no contradictions in the Bible. Which means that if it seems to be a contradiction, it's because I'm not looking deep enough into it to see, well, what is it actually saying to me? And what do I need to take from it so that I can grow? Um, I believe that the Bible is true and written by an all-knowing God. And for that reason, I believe that when we see this type of contrast in the scripture, it's an opportunity for us to actually learn some things. One of the things that we learn from this, the way it's written, is that sometimes there's no single rule that fits every situation that everybody may be dealing with. In other words, there are some times where it might seem a little gray. 
Well, I don't see a verse that speaks to my exact situation. That's okay. But the biblical context of the Bible itself is going to frame it in such a way where you know that you need to yield to what God says, even if you don't know what to specifically do in the situation. You need to be patient and allow the word to work in your life. Amen. We understand that because we all run across things sometimes we don't know what to do with. So here he's saying there are times, listen, times when... You shouldn't answer a fool because if you do, you're going to end up looking like the fool. You're going to get drawn into a, a, a conversation that you don't need to be in with somebody that ain't got no common sense. And, they, and, and then you, and you realize about halfway through the conversation, conversation, you realize, what am I doing? I'm, I look like the fool now because I'm sitting here arguing with this fool, you know. <laughs> and when you have the power to, to avoid that, then avoid it. The issue is there may be times when you do not have the luxury to not answer the fool is what verse six is alluding to in the sense that the fool may have the place of authority. Maybe the fool is the boss. Don't be too quick to assume that, though, because you may be the fool. But the point is this. Maybe the person who has authority, maybe there's been somebody who's shown partiality and this person has ended up in a role that maybe they shouldn't be in. Or maybe not that they're in a role, but they don't understand all of the components and the elements of what's going on. And so you realize this, but because you are a believer and you're under that person's authority, you need to yield and you need to give answer. In um, corporate world, we called it managing up, you know, is at times when there are times when the new boss has been shown partiality because of something and gets the job. And, um, and, and usually maybe it's just, you know, they, they took an extra certification or whatever. I don't know what it is, but they, they have, they're in a position, but they don't understand the process. You understand the process really well, maybe. And they're asking you to do something that makes no sense at all. And what do you do as a believer? You're in the gray area. Yeah, technically you're not in the gray area because the Bible says that you know, servants obey your masters and everything as unto the Lord, knowing that the Lord sees what's in secret and rewards openly. So the scripture says as an employee, I need to obey the boss. But then as a believer managing up, I'm always going to want to be like the servants I see in the scripture who always look out for their boss, kind of like Joseph did in Potiphar's house. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Or even David under Saul. So then what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to make sure that the person over me understands the process to the best of my ability. And, I, and because you may say, well, I don't want to, I don't want to teach him how to do the thing. They already gave him the job that I was qualified for and, and I don't want to help him out. But you got to understand you work for Jesus. So then say, okay, I'm going to sit the boss down and say, look, let me explain to you the process and why I'm not doing it this way. Cause if I, if I do it this way, it's going to mess, it's going to make it worse for us. And then, you know, so I just want you to understand this. We do it this way because this is in yada, yada, yada. And reason with them, go back and forth. What's going to happen is you're going to gain his respect. He's going to end up looking good, he or she, the boss, because of you. And we'll remember that. And even if they don't, God sees it. So there are times when you got to answer the fool. There are times when you don't. And I think part of this is the learning the wisdom to govern the tongue, to discover the, uh, the right time to speak. Um, and the right time to stay silent because there's a time for both. Does that make sense? And so I got to figure that out using the wisdom of God that there are times when you got to answer the fool and there are times when you should not answer the fool is what verse four and five together are teaching me. Now it's up to me to discern when that time is because I want to walk right before the Lord. And so you got to let the Lord guide you through situation 
to situation to situation. There's no cookie-cutter answer. So in other words, I can't tell you, don't answer the fool. If the fool's the boss, you got to answer the fool and, and, tell, you know, and tell her, the, you better answer the fool. No, no, you got to figure that out. But the Bible's given us both sides of this, writing these verses, and I love this. So do not answer the fool according to his folly, lest you also become like him. Or answer the fool according to his folly, lest he become wise in his own eyes. So in other words, you can prevent the fool from being wise in his own eyes and maybe making a mistake, which could end up reflecting on you. And I've been in these situations where, you know, if you let your flesh take over and you let your emotions get involved, you don't want to help the boss because he got the job you should have got. So you're going to shoot yourself in the foot and make the whole department go down. No, 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 no. You be the one that propped the whole thing up. Let it be successful because of you, because you use God's wisdom and then God will take care of you. Verse six, as we continue, says, uh, he who sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. So to send a message by the hand of a fool, he cuts off his own feet, his own foundation, as well as ends up suffering from it. Trusting a fool with something important can deprive you of having it done properly is one side of that. And then it brings shame and injury to yourself. You see, so you need to choose the, the right kind of messenger, the right person to deal with, if you will. If you choose the wrong one, it, 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 you literally, you rob yourself in a sense. And so who you're working with, who you're trusting with things is extremely important. And for a believer, you got to know that. And this goes back to what I said earlier. We need to pray through who we work with, who we engage in business with, who we engage in relationship with, who we trust with important information, who are we allowing to be a part of what God has called us to do is extremely important. And wisdom would tell you to observe, to watch, and to pray. And then let the Lord lead you in which way you are to go in everything that you may be dealing with. So verse 7. Verse 7 says, like the legs of the lame that hang limp is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. When you think about how this is framed, the leg for the body, the leg is the, is the strongest member of our body, at least the strongest muscle group of the body is, is found in the leg, which is why you can, you can usually squat more than you can bench press. It's kind of a, a picture there. Um, and so when the, when the legs are lame, they render us immobile. Um, in, 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 you know, we really find ourselves almost useless. It's, it's hard to, to live and to function. But likewise here, he's saying that great wisdom given to a fool is also useless. It won't go anywhere. It won't move beyond that person. The issue is not that the fool doesn't hear wisdom or receive wisdom. It's just that the fool doesn't, doesn't re actually receive it in himself and put it to work in their lives and apply it. And so he's given us this picture here is that giving, giving great wisdom to a fool won't go anywhere. And this is why we got to know and understand and pray through things and understand that Solomon is over and over repeating these concepts to his children so it's in them. The Bible is giving it to us so that it is in us. Why does it need to be in us? Because we come to church on Sunday morning to, to worship Jesus, to encourage each other, to be built up, to hear the word so we can take the word and run with it. 
Because in the middle of the week, come Tuesday, maybe one of these proverbs is going to pop back in your head when you're dealing with somebody. And you're like, you know what? Maybe I need to wait on this thing and pray a little longer so I don't get in, into a mess because I haven't observed this person's life long enough. You know, and I found that to be the case in my life. Just wait. Man, if you, if you wait long enough, everything gets exposed. Because a fool can't fake it but so long because they're a fool. <laughs> It's going to happen. You're going to see it. The fool can't hide. You know, as soon as they open their mouth in a particular situation, you realize, ooh, I'm so, so glad I didn't put my, my trust or rely on that person or whatever the case may be. Verse 8. Verse 8 says, like one who binds a stone in a sling is he who gives honor to a fool. Solomon really don't like his kids dealing with fools. I mean, it's, it's in every verse. So one interpretation is, can be this, you know, he who obviously binds a stone in a sling doesn't know what a sling is meant for. Because a sling, if you, if you remember, um, you know, David used one to kill Goliath. Y'all remember that? Um, how many of you made them as kids? You make sling, yeah, you know, you make those things and you swing them around and, and, and try to do it. Well, if you bind the stone in the sling, and you try to throw the thing, you're going to pop yourself in the eye because it's going to pop back and hit you. A fool would do that. You're going to tie it in there so it won't fall out. And then, you know, bam, you know, it's like, dang, you know, that's not what, that's not how you do the thing, you know. Um, and so just like that, a fool doesn't use the sling in the proper way, ends up hurting himself. And then the, uh, and, and that's really the interpretation. There's another interpretation that says that the stone, as soon as it's gone from the sling, uh, and is seen no more. So, so honor given to a fool is the same way. Um, and I think that does apply. But I think the way it's written is it'd be so foolish to tie a stone into the sling so it can't come out. That would be the dumbest thing you could do. Well, that's what giving honor or respect, promotion, opportunity to handle something important is when you give it to a fool. I think over and over and over Solomon is saying, hey, kids, use wisdom. Be careful who you deal with and how you do it and understand who they are. It's not that we we have disdain for the fool. We want to see them grow. We want to see people begin to learn and understand and reason and do better. Um, But as it relates to your business as a believer, as it relates to your family makeup, as it relates to your relationships, that which you become one with somebody in. You know, you need to be extremely careful is what Solomon is saying to his children Um, because it's very frustrating to put trust in a fool. Verse nine. Yeah. Like a thorn that goes into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. Yeah. You know, he's just just really rolling it out um, and we're getting the point. Um, Now, verse 10 says. And this is good. The great God who formed everything gives the fool his hire and the transgressor his wages. I like this. It says the great God. We know that's the Godhead, God the Father. And we we see both God the Father in Scripture as well as God the Son in Scripture as well as the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, God the Spirit in Scripture. We see that. Um, Formed everything. We know that. Everything, the heavens and the earth are made by God. Amen. How, How many of you would agree with that? Okay, we were speaking, I shared something similar with the football team at Clayton High on Friday that, you know, um, anybody with half a common sense would know that we didn't come from monkeys. 
and, and the things are too complex for us to have come from a, from a, you know, mud puddle, you know, there's a complexity to who we are. So we didn't evolve. We were created. We understand that. Um, so the great God who formed everything, including us, the way we are, well, it says here, he gives the fool his hire and the transgressor his wages. What it's alluding to is the fact that God sees everything and will reconcile everything in the end. And that's a beautiful thing for us to be able to know and understand. So, so there's going to be a settling of affairs that God has with every single human being. For the believer, it's when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I believe, that we all must stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. Um, Paul says that the Lord is our judge. He's our only master. And Paul says, I don't even judge myself, 1 Corinthians 4. Um, we stand before him and everything gets dealt with. Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians 3 as our works being like either wood, hay, or stubble or precious stones. And he gives the illusion of all of our works being, being weighed and burned and purified. And what's left is this, this stuff that we did with the pure conscience before the Lord. So however you want to look at that, we as believers will stand before the Lord and it will get reconciled. But it's not a judgment into condemnation because we're already saved by the blood of Christ. Amen. But it's just him reconciling everything and saying, hey, come on in. Come on in and be blessed. All that's dealt with now. That's the beautiful thing about when we get there before him. It's all dealt with. It's behind us. Praise God. I ain't going to have to worry about it no more because we all miss the mark even as we serve the Lord. And then we're trying to figure out, you know, where that is. But look, it's up to him to judge. I'm thankful that he is the judge because he paid the price by shedding his own blood to receive me. So he ain't now trying to destroy me. Y'all realize that? Jesus who bled to death to save you is not trying to destroy you. He's just trying to strengthen you and conform you more to his image and finally bring you to himself. And the Bible says that he's going to present his bride to himself without spot and without blemish. That means I'm going to be shining when I get there. He's going to do a work that I'm in the process. I'm in the sanctification process. So that's good. But the verse also alludes to the fact that the transgressor or those who are sinners who have rejected him, there is a settling time for them as well. And we call it, or the Bible calls it in Revelation chapter 20, the great white throne judgment seat where death and Hades and all are, everybody is resurrected. It's the second resurrection and have to stand before the great white throne of God. I love the, the, the effects. Well, y'all was like, what's about to happen now? <laughs> we out of here, you know. Um, and what's going to happen is they have to give an account of their lives based upon what's been recorded in the books by the angels. That's what it says. They're going to be judged by the, the records in the books. And the beautiful thing is those of us who have come to Christ, we don't have to be judged by the records of our works in the books. We're judged by the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. In other words, our sin has already been judged. So we don't have to be a part of that, that judgment. So on the great right throne judgment day, we are spectators. We're there clothed in white as the bride of Christ, but we're not being judged on that day. Our judgment has already taken place at the cross of Christ. So when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, your sin have been forgiven. And the Lord sees you clean and holy. He's declared you that justified. I love that. So... So God's going to reconcile everything. Everybody's going to get their, their due, whether they've come to know Christ and they'll get their reward um, or they, they rejected Christ. And unfortunately, they'll end up in the lake of fire, which is eternal judgment. And that's why the stakes right now 
are extremely high for salvation. Um, verse, oh, verse 11, here we go. It says, as a dog returns to his own vomit. I remember my dog growing up. It was a, it's, it's, it's traumatic for a kid to see him like that. Why, why is he doing that? <laughs> I mean, you want to come lick me? No, you know, get, get away, you know, disgusting. But dog, dogs will do that. Um, so when he makes this analogy, it's, it's kind of vivid. And, and he says, so as a dog returns to his own vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. He's a fool because he didn't learn the first time. So he does the same thing again. Why is Solomon so vivid for us in this? Because he doesn't want us to be that way. We are the people of God, and therefore he desires that we learn from the things that we struggle in and make mistakes in by going to him and seeking wisdom and seeking counsel. And then when we receive it from the word of God, we perform it differently, which means that we got to have a bit of spiritual uh, discipline. We can't be lazy. We have to be diligent. Um... In, in, in these things. And so we end in verse 12 where it says, do you see a why? Uh, yeah. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? And remember the fool lacks wisdom. But see the, 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 but real wisdom is to have enough wisdom to know I don't have wisdom in and of myself. That's what it's saying to us. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? The end result is there is more hope for a fool than for him. The Bible says that um, pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. So part of the wisdom that we need to gain as we go through this is that we have to rely on God because in and of ourselves, we don't have everything that we need to navigate this life, to do the things that God has called us to do. And you have to, you know, ask the Lord to reveal to you when you're at a place to where you are being wise in your own eyes. Because sometimes we can miss it. Obviously, if you're, if you're being wise in your own eyes, but you're actually not being wise at the same time, it means that there are times when we are not fully understanding our own heart before the Lord. And so that's where you got to stay before the Lord. And ask the Lord to reveal those things to you. And he will. We were reading this morning, the worship team, we were reading in, in Psalm 19 where David said, you know, deal with my secret faults. The stuff I don't even understand. You know, and I love that. The Bible says that God knows our faults, uh, excuse me, our faults are far off. So even the stuff we are not even aware of about ourselves, he's trying to point it out to us. That's why James in the New Testament says that he calls the word like a mirror. Don't just be hearers only, but be doers. So when you look into the word, it gives a reflection back of your issues. It gets pointed out by the Holy Spirit. And, and so don't run from that. That's what we want the Lord to do. We want the Holy Spirit to point out our own mess, our own flaws, because then we can confess them before him and he can show us how to, how to walk um, in the way that he desires for us to. All of this is about our growth and nothing about us is going to escape the book of Proverbs. Something in the book of Proverbs is going to challenge you, expose something in you and, and try to lead you in the direction that we need to go in. You, me, us, all of us. We understand that's what's happening. It's a very practical book. Um, so that's tw the first 12 verses. We're making some progress. That is the 12 verses. That, God is good. Um, yes. Um, so let's pray. And then uh, the worship team is going to come on forward. Father, thank you today for allowing us to be here. Lord God, we pray that you would be, I pray that you would be with each individual, each household represented here this week, Lord God, that you would 
give us the wisdom we need for every situation, Lord God, that you would go before us and clear a path, Lord, provide the gifts of your Holy Spirit as needed, whether discernment, words of wisdom and knowledge. Help us even to minister to one another with the gifts of the Spirit as we prepare to leave this place today, Lord God. Until we meet again, we love you, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Let's stand and sing.